What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. To another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour, Mike. What's going on, Derek? We uh, survived the hurricane slash storm that took over the facility, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited because we're dry. So we should start with introductions and titles, if those exist, um, and then kind of introduce yourselves to our audience, so we uh, we know what's going on. Sure, what's happening? Uh, I'm Michael Robb with uh, Clarksburg Cider. I'm the CEO and owner, and joining me is uh, I'm Eddie Graves. Sorry, I forgot my name for a minute. Um, I'm the head cider maker over at uh, Clarksburg Cider, and I'm um, just the guy that makes the cider. This place is awesome. You So we're on Walden, and you're driving down Walden out of Lancaster area, kind of, it, this is still considered Lancaster. It is. Yeah. Is this like the, because it's still Lancaster going that way and up. This is like a weird part of Lancaster, but it's thriving right now, I feel like. Yeah, it is Lancaster, but we're kind of on the eastern end, so we're very close to Alden. Elma and Clarence. Gotcha. Um, kind of sandwiched in between the four. Yeah, you drive down like past that gas station area, and then it's just this compound here that's Clarksburg cider. You drive by it the first time, and you're like, "What is this? There's a pond. There's a pond here and tables. What's going on?" And then you see the big Clarksburg side, and you're like, "Ah, that makes sense." So, what what brought you to this area? Um, we were actually looking for um, a piece of property and a building to do the cider in, mm-hmm. and. Um, what really attracted us to this was the acreage and the fact that we could have an orchard here as well. Um, so we we have a very small fledgling orchard here, um, as well as our orchards in a, out in Eden, uh, actually in the hamlet of Clarksburg, which is where the name comes from. Oh, cool. Hmm. Yeah. And I think you touched on something interesting, too. Um, whenever you talk to people, especially that grew up in the Lancaster Clarence you know, area, mm-hmm. the the grass when they purchased this building was so tall that you could barely see the buildings. So, you know, the fact that when we came in and cut the grass, we're like, Oh my Lord, like there's, there's, a building there's buildings there. <laughs> it's uh, it's the, the feedback on, you know, what we've done with the landscaping here and just, it's been overwhelmingly good for yeah. sure. What's the acreage that you got? Uh, we own 17 acres, but then we have an easement on an additional 13. Is that from our orchard? Yes. And so that, that's all here. Yep. No kidding. Where is the orchard? Is it straight back? Uh, right out here on either side of the driveway. Um, we've got a, a planting on each side of the driveway. Oh, that's sweet. That's really smart. Yeah, it's neat. I want to have the, you know, a country feel. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm more of a country mouse versus a city mouse. And, um, you know, like when you go into a winery, you drive through the rows of grapes mm-hmm. and stuff. We wanted to have that aesthetic and feel here. And we also want to use the apples for, you know, product. Sure. Where did you source the the actual apple seeds to then grow your trees? 
Were you picky about that? So uh, go ahead, Eddie. Um, interesting thing, a little bit of knowledge. Uh, all of our apples today don't come from seeds. Uh, apple is a very, not to get too technical, uh, apple's survival mechanism is there's five seeds inside of an apple. You plant those five seeds and you'll get five different types of apples. You know, you take a Granny Smith and you plant that in the, in the ground, you could get crab apple, you could get, you know, you know, a red skinned apple, all sorts of things. So all the apples that, you know, I would say 99% of the apples, you know, especially in orchards, come from grafting. Not to get too weird. Can you explain grafting? Yeah, so you take a root stock, which is, you know, the part that goes in the ground. It's a little, you know, they, they select them based on their ability to survive in certain climates and stuff like that. What they'll do is they'll take a clipping from a tree, a known tree, like a Macintosh, we'll say. They'll take that, they'll splice it in there, wrap it up, and then you'll have a Mac. Oh, I have seen those before. Have you seen those? No. It's literally just like you said. You slice it, and then you put it together, and then you wrap it up, and it's just like, oh, we belong here. It's really sweet. That's crazy. So so they're from Clarksburg? Like, that's where you started? No, all of our trees we buy through our um, landscaper and nursery partner, Turnbulls, uh, which is down in Brant in North Collins area. And these trees come from all over the country. So that area in Eden, that is the... Right now, the main area where a lot of the orchard is, is that what you said? Yeah, that's where our primary right. orchard is. But, um, you know, it's still a young orchard and it's not producing a yield yet. Sure. So we are not using our own apples yet, but eventually we will. And we want to use them for a, a higher tier estate blend, you know, a bottled product. How long does that process normally take? Um, it, it usually three to five years for right. a tree to actually bear fruit, but to actually produce a yield worth doing much with sure you know it's more like five to ten that's interesting because we we come from the whiskey world and obviously for whiskey if you want a good product you have to wait a while for the stuff to sit in the barrel and with distilleries normally they source it from other areas so you aren't necessarily sourcing juice you're sourcing the actual apples from the other area well we currently all of our products that we buy the actual juice pressed oh okay gotcha but you know we're talking to some other cider makers and some other local farmers in Western New York about, you know, specifically picking uh, cultivars and, you know, varieties to do certain blends with and having them press those specific apples. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated about cider. Yeah, because most people don't realize that it's super complex. You're not just pushing an apple down with force and then all of a sudden the juice is alcoholic. Can you guys touch on, I know it's, I know it's a loaded question, but can you touch on the process to make cider? Yeah, um, so it's not much harder than what you said, though. Uh, there's there's a lot of science into it. The science uh, is more about consistency. I think that's the harder part of it all. You know, we've been fermenting beverages for, you know, thousands of years. You know, I, I say it a lot, and it's something I do stand by. Um, you know, after, after the apple is pressed, there's a couple things that they're looking for, things that we care about. We care about, you know, sugar levels because, as we know, sugar means alcohol. Mm-hmm. So we need to stay consistent in there to be compliant with, you know, our labels and stuff like that. But the biggest factor and the thing that's, I, I would say, gives me the biggest headache is malic levels. That's the acidity found in an apple. So right now during pressing season, our apples have, you know, abundance of malic. So you, you know, when you drink it, it's got that nice little bite in it. Not quite like a sour beer, but, you know, you get it, you know, nice, crisp, tart. But later on, after the pressing season, apples go into cold storage, nitrogen rooms and stuff like that. 
And apple is an interesting fruit. Apples are super interesting. And I got a quiz for you guys in a minute after I get through my thought. Um, but apple, an apple can go into a oxygenless environment, you know, a nitrogen room stored at, you know, 32 degrees, and it'll stay relatively unchanged. The only things that really happen is the malic acid gets converted over to sugar. So the apples actually turn sweeter from being in nitrogen rooms, but we lose the acidity. So the real science in this is how to how to make adjustments and stuff like that throughout the year, you know, from different different blends of apples and how to how to keep consistency there. You know, the actual fermentation process is, you know, pretty simple in my head. And I, I've just grown up doing it. I've done this since as far as I can remember. But um, they, uh, you, we take apple juice, we inoculate it with the yeast. So we, we don't do natural ferments here. We will eventually. But right now at, with where we're at, Clarksburg, you know, we use a uh, white wine yeast from France. So we inoculate it with that, and then we use nutrients, you know, because happy yeast, overall consistent, really helps keep our consistency and keep everything good. Um, and we rehydrate our yeast. You know, we use GoFirm, which is pretty standard practice amongst winemakers and cider makers. You'll notice a lot of our practices are taken from, you know, the wine world, you know, cider being a wine classified as a wine. You know, that's one of the licenses we're operating under here. Feels weird to say that, but sure. Under the eyes of the law, that's kind of where we fall. But it's kind of weird because we fall under wine, but we can be sold in we can be sold in, you know, normal stores, you know, for New York State. You know, versus wine has to be sold in liquor stores. Do you so, ever see that changing? Where uh, regulations change and cider as it gets more popular is its own category? We we hope so. You know, okay. I I'm was recently uh got on the board of the New York State Cider Association. And that's, you know, one of the things that we look at very hard is legislation and, you know, changing some of these things. Um, but it's a it's a steep climb. Yeah, because for there's got to be some unfortunate consequences of being lumped in with wine, right? Like what are what are some things like hurdles that you guys normally have to climb over because you're associated with wine? Well, I don't know if it's a hurdle, but okay. one of our biggest challenges is that, um, you know, wineries have a vintage. So, you know, it's 2016 cab mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. Pinot or whatever. Um, you're not allowed to have a vintage with cider. Uh, they consider it more like a beer, um, even though it's classified as wine. Right. Um, so, you know, that causes a lot of confusion. That's something that the association's working on trying to get changed. Um, you're not allowed to mention terroir, um, you know, so like the region. Um, you know, whereas wine you, says Napa Valley or Anderson Valley or, or whatever, um, you don't you can't do that with cider. Sure. So we're working to try and, and see some changes there on the national level. Um, and, and we think that there's you know potential ground to be gained on that, um, which would really help because it, it's it's a it's a uh, sorry, I forget the word. It's a uh, you know, it's an agricultural commodity. It's, it's something that grows it's an annual harvest, you know, just like grapes. Sure. So it's kind of unfair, um, especially when you get into more specialty ciders. Mm -hmm. But we reap some of the benefits of the beer world, too. You know, we're not strictly forced into a bunch of the wine laws. So we lose some things like not being able to say vintages and toir and stuff like that. But also like being able to be sold in grocery stores, something that wine can't do that we're very lucky that we can. So we 
we kind of pull from both, but we don't fit into either category. So it's a, it's a weird blend for sure. You know, um, one of the biggest setbacks for me being classified as a wine is whenever we submit our paperwork to SLA is that we have to have lab analysis on every batch of cider we do. And beer doesn't have to do that, but wine does. So that's one thing I would like us shift more towards on the beer side, you know, just helps me out production wise, planning wise. How are the two communities uh, regarding support for you between the, the craft brewers and the cider brewers? Um, so I come from a beer brewing background. So I naturally gravitate towards, you know, uh, beer, you know, brewers. So that's just kind of the niche that I fell into for a long time. And they're, um, they're very supportive. Um, winemakers, I don't know a ton of them. Uh, the only ones I know also make cider. And, you know, they've always been good to me. But straight up, you know, I've never had a winemaker reach out to me and be like, oh, how do you feel about this? Mm. Versus, you know, Adam over at Eli Fish or Josh over at uh, West Shore. You know, they reach out to me all the time. How do you feel about this? This, you know, very collective in that sort of regards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this, and I don't mean to make any enemies. Winemakers are very set in their ways with certain things. You know, we fruit a wine, essentially. And that's, you know. Kind, kind of, of a tab- mix of the worlds. Yeah, and it's kind of taboo in the wine world. You know, there's fruited wines, but. You know, those aren't the ones that go down the history books or, you know, sell for ridiculous sure. amounts of money down the line. But, right. you know, versus beer, it's it's a common accepted practice. You know, um, I don't I don't know any breweries, you know, within 60 miles of us that don't have a fruit of beer on draft. Right. So. But the, the cider community in general has been extremely receptive to us. You know, even when we just conceptualized the idea, of, you know, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um we talk to a lot of the local cideries and, you know, apple growers and everybody's been extremely welcoming. You know, we go into this with the mindset of, uh, you know, not competition, but, you know, all boats rise with the tide. So mm-hmm. the more awareness we can make of hard cider as a craft beverage, a year round beverage, a, um, you know, an option uh, instead of wine or instead of beer uh, substitute, if you will. Um, you know, that's that's what cider needs to do. We need to raise awareness and, and make people aware of there, there are these great ciders. They are year round. You can do fun things with them like pineapple hibiscus. You can hop them. You can barrel age them, you know. Sure. It's interesting, too, because a lot of local breweries have a cider option on their menu. Do you guys have um, like what other brands do you guys have on your menu as well? Any? Uh- yeah, we have a couple of other cideries, um, but we also um, support local breweries. So we have, you know, anywhere from four to half a dozen uh, local beers on draft mm-hmm. uh, in our tap room at all times. We have a robust wine list, um, and then we have some staples. You know, we've got Mick Ultra and, and Blue Blue and Blue Light. You know, we want to, from a tap room aspect, we want to. I don't want to turn anyone away. I don't want somebody to say, "Sure, well, I'm not going to go back to that place because they didn't have a blue app." Labatt Blue, or sure. I'm not going to go back there because they didn't have a, you know, I couldn't get an old-fashioned. You know, we have a full full bar, full liquor license. Oh, that's awesome. How many tabs do you guys have? 24. 24. Jesus. Good for you. It's quite a bit. So did you, you built this building? No, we, uh. No? No. It looks the, like it. The building existed. It was uh, built in 1993. It was a warehouse for ecology and environment. Um, and when I, when we bought it, um. It was nothing but two by four uh, and chicken wire cages, and like geologists would have their own cage. And so once they got all their stuff out, um, you know, I took all those out. We hired an engineer, 
to help us lay out the production facility, uh, hire an architect to help us lay out the, the tap room. We decided we were going to designate 75% of the square footage to production, 25% to retail. And, you know, that was fun. So take us. Oh, this used to be all one. Like, just think of this. Oh, okay. We gotcha. put the partitions in, the mezzanine, all that. It was just a giant barn. It, it was it, it was great because it's it's such a well built building. I mean, structurally, it's a it's a it's a bomb. Yeah. Know, it's bomb proof. To uh, all the other brewers listening, I have six inch water mains coming into this building, so I have unlimited water pressure. It's a very, <laughs> that's pretty good. It's a very big deal. The, <laughs> I actually have too much water pressure and will blow up hoses. Uh, that's one thing you know. When I you know started here, you know I've worked at breweries. And, cideries where you had a one inch or two inch water mains coming in and water pressure something you fought with you know between you know someone flush toilet in the tap room you're like oh i have no water for 20 30 seconds not a problem here that's and, awesome uh, six inch lines yeah they're unbelievable how much water we have so six years ago you said you kind of conceptualized this mm-hmm. what was that conversation like what did you do before and what was that leap that you're like let's do this now um, I was in property management and real estate in Breckenridge, Colorado, and uh, my wife and I had a child um, who has special needs and develop- was developmentally delayed. We decided to move back home. Uh, my wife's actually from Pittsburgh, but I'm from Buffalo and uh, actually grew up in Clarksburg. And um, so we bought a house, moved back. I sold my business and was just kind of working on the house, you know, taking some time off. and. My father is a green thumb and started his career in the wholesale nursery business and just in his retirement wanted to, you know, play with plants and and trees. So he had the uh, ground, uh, the soil tested and uh, through Cornell, uh, they offer some great services and uh, they said apples are what would grow best. So he decided to, um, you know, plant some small orchards and instead of selling the fruit to grocery stores, uh, you know, as dessert fruit. He read about the uh, resurgence of hard cider in the U.S. and uh, thought, well, that would be fun. And he approached me and said, you know, you're not doing anything. What do you think of this idea? (laughs) And I I thought it was a great idea. Um, And, you know, one of the things that appeals to me the most about it is there's so many. I was just having this conversation in a meeting earlier today um, with another cider maker. There's so many things. There's so many parts of the business. There's Mm -hmm. the agricultural part, you know, putting something in the ground, nurturing it, watching it grow, and then enjoying its bounty and harvest is unbelievable. I like being outdoors, so you know that goes well with me. There's the sales aspect, there's the production aspect, there's the marketing aspect, then there's the tap room and the restaurant, and then there's the events. There's just there's so much cool, so many cool things to do, and it's, it's different every day, and that's what I, I like. That's awesome. Were you a cider fan before the, this? Um, no, not really. I, I wasn't, and it actually, during this process of, of building this place out i actually got diagnosed with celiac disease and uh so you know i drink a lot of cider now. yeah now you drink a lot <laughs> and it helps that eddie makes such damn good cider yeah that's amazing so what is your background you said you were a brewer and cider maker before yeah so my history really starts when i was a little kid uh, i grew up you know on the new york pa border and um my grandfather was a moonshiner like uh, he's yeah. since passed now, so government can't come after him. But uh, he, uh, you know, it was just kind of normal. You know, everyone made some sort of alcohol, you know, of some sort. You know, uh, Tom Wheeler down the road made dandelion wine every year. My grandfather, you know, had his not patent pending, but his uh, 
his classic moonshine, which he called a uh, panther piss. It was made out of horse sweet feed. And then um, my dad uh, used to take our apples and he built a homemade um, uh, mulcher or scratter. And we would press it and we'd turn it into cider. And then my grandfather was like, you know, if you throw some yeast in there, it'll be better. And then sometimes it wasn't that great. And he would distill it <laughs> and make some apple brandy out of it. And, you know, sometimes we drank it. You know, actually, a lot of times we drank it. So that's kind of where it got its start. And then uh, at a very young age, I was like, I could probably be pretty popular if I did this in school. So I, uh, <laughs> I was uh, not more, condoning any of this. Yeah, I was uh, definitely one of the more popular kids in high school just because of that. Uh, you know, we always <laughs> very my parents were very nonchalant about it. They were just like, oh, you know, he's doing something cool. You know, he's, so um, that's kind of where I got my start. Uh, I got real hard up for money when I was 18 and uh, joined the military because, you know, that's what you do when you're broke and, you know, they're real good at targeting broke kids. So uh, I joined the military. I did uh, almost eight years in the U.S. Navy on submarines. I spent time all across the world, you know, stationed in uh, Guam, Hawaii, and Virginia. Got out of the military, started working for the government because I thought that'd be better. You know, you're like, oh, you know, I hated working for the government. Let me go work for the government again. <laughs> and uh, so I worked for Lockheed Martin for a little bit, uh, which was just meant that I spent more time deployed than I did in the military. Uh, I lived in Japan, Philippines, all all sorts of. They sent me Jeez. to all sorts of crazy places. And then uh, my wife got pregnant and was like, hey, um, you can't be deployed anymore because we're going to have a kid. I was like, yeah, that's probably a pretty good idea. I should probably stay home. Um and uh, she was like, she was making really good money. And she was like, why don't you pursue what you've always wanted to do? So I took $130,000 pay cut and uh, was like, all right, let's do this. And uh, I went head first in, you know, I, I worked for a couple breweries because I was like really big into beer. And I was like, well, let me do this. And then started making beer for a couple of years. And I was like, man, this kind of, this kind of sucks. Uh, it's hot days, you know, double brew days, especially where I worked. We did double brew days every, almost every day. And there was a cidery in Hampton, Virginia that was looking for an assistant cider maker. I was like, oh, I know how to make cider. That would be pretty cool. So I reached out to them and they were like, yeah, come on over. And it was a little bit bump and pay too. And from then on, I would say my first week in the cidery, I was like, I'll never go back to work in a hmm. brewery. Like, no I, I love beer, you know, and now as cider's infected me, I've developed a slight gluten intolerance, but uh, I still en enjoy the occasional beer. And, uh, you know, I love beer, but I love making cider. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, especially. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Actually, it's kind of a place that you can really, like, you know, shine. Sure. You know, look at competitive cideries versus breweries. You know, you can really stand out. And it was a good chance for me to prove myself um, and make a name for myself, for sure. You yeah. know. Are, the, are the systems similar between beer and, and cider? Like, what, kind of the, the whole operation you guys have on the production side is just massive because this is a pretty large facility. But is the equipment almost the same? Does it run the same? Uh, I run it kind of the same because, okay. <laughs> you know, my first commercial, like learning how to, you know, make things on a commercial scale where we're in a brewery. Um, obviously we don't have a hot side, you know, we don't need to convert starches over to sugars. So there's no hot side, but everything on the cold side of a brewery is relatively the same. There's a couple minute differences. Um, our equipment is this size because cider can be batched. You know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have a brew day, mm -hmm. you know, you can That's just, cool. yeah. And we kind of run things kind of, uh, like, you know, some famous hype breweries that'll brew, you know, a Berliner Weiss uh, base and then fruit them different ways or a standard IPA base, you know, a two row base, and then, you know, hop them differently. We kind of do the same thing here where we got a base cider and we can break off and we can do a bunch of different things from there. Um, and that's how the, our, most of our SKUs are, but uh, our tanks are pretty much the same. You know, we don't have uni tanks here. We have just traditional bright style mm -hmm. tanks. But um, the one thing that we do, which not every cidery does, but we filter our cider. So after fermentation, and that's what you guys, when you showed up today, that's what I was doing is mm -hmm. I just finished up filtration. We run it through a semi-hollow fiber cross flow, which works just kind of like an RO unit. You have a high and low pressure side with a semi-permeable membrane. So cider travels up through it what can fit through the holes on the membrane, which is 0.45 microns big, gets through and it's perfectly clear versus all the pectin and yeast and other stuff just keeps getting sent back mm -hmm. around and keeps trying to get filtered. So I'd say that's probably the biggest difference. But, you know, our canning line is same canning line you can find at most of the, most of the breweries around us. You know, all, almost all the mobile canners use the same uh, canning line. Um, yeah, I would say... Cold side wise, we're probably about 90% the same as a brewery. So getting to the cans quick, we got some stuff in front of us here. Do you want to kind of run us through, not necessarily everything like super in depth, but what type of options you have there? And then you also won an award for that one over there. So you want to. Oh yeah, this guy, let's talk about him first. Cause he's kind of my pride and joy at this moment. Um, I'm definitely, uh, I was very shocked by, you know, the platinum that we got from Cidercraft Awards. Um, platinum. Wow. Platinum. Yeah fancy but uh no so uh you know we'll talk uh, you know about our our barrel aging program you guys being brown water fans mm -hmm. you know that's right uh yeah exactly um you know right from the get-go before i think before we even had a facebook page like <laughs> before we had posted anything i was like we should get some barrels and you were like yeah absolutely let's get barrels in here so before people even knew like clark's we'd no signs no nothing just building on a really manicured property at this point. Mm -hmm. We brought in some barrels. We brought in originally six, maybe eight uh, bourbon barrels, which were mostly um, Basil Hayden barrels. 
There were one Knob Creek and one Maker's Mark barrel in there as well. Yeah, we brought on eight. We, I thought we brought in 10. Yeah, you're right. I think we did bring on 10 because they were stacked all goofy-like for a bit. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there were a couple, primarily Basil Hayden, a couple Knobs and a couple Makers thrown in there. And from, you know, I would say one probably our first batch of cider that we made on a larger scale, um, we threw it in there and started aging it. And we didn't really have any idea on where we wanted to go with it yet, but we were like, you know, that's a future us problem. And uh, that's, this is a product of future us problem. Uh, we took some of it and we just bottled it almost straight. You know, we, we carbonated it to a lower volume carbonation. And the idea behind that was kind of like a, a you know, whiskey and soda or something like that, or, you know, it, it wasn't super over carbonated, but just had a little bit of effervescence mm -hmm. to it. And then we had some extra barrels and uh, I, I was stationed on the USS Louisville and, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, the Derby. And uh, I was like, let's do a mint julep hard cider. Um, so we uh, took a little mint and threw it in there. And then, um, you know, I was like, it worked. You know, we back sweetened it just a little bit. It's not overly sweet. It's, I would say off dry for sure. It's not not nearly as sweet as our semi sweets mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Off dry is definitely where it falls. I was like, this is great. And then Michael was like, yeah, let's wait eight months to release it for the Derby. I was like, no, let's, <laughs> let's release it now. And um, just kind of like a wine, you know, it aged beautifully in the bottle. And we submitted it to a competition. And I was like, you know, more traditional competition too. I was like, they're gonna hate it because it has mint in it and uh we got a platinum for it i think it's because kind of unique and something different and you know it has every bit of you know bourbon that you guys love as you know that vanilla the caramel and cool thing about bourbon is a lot of it has that green apple mm -hmm. so being an apple base it just kind of extenuates that sure and it, it it's phenomenal I'm, awesome. I'm about to just pry it open with my teeth like, as <laughs> yeah, right. and it's cold already too you pulled a cold one but um so there's that do you want to talk about our base skews because I've, I've talked a lot yeah no problem um so we initially went to market in april of 2021 with two skews a semi-sweet and a dry cider um those are the black and red cans okay. in front of you um then we wanted to have a seasonal product um so eddie came up with this savory citrus which is a lemon and sea salt um which is goza style Ooh, see that and, was kind of the idea and it's i think it's just phenomenal um and we had so much success with it we decided to make it one of our flagship uh ciders so that's available year-round now so th those are the three that are available year-round um we do a different seasonal uh every season so um over the last year we started with savory citrus for summer then we did a um, cranberry ginger in the winter, uh, which was very successful. We did a botanical blueberry uh, in the spring, and then we released a pineapple hibiscus for our summer season this year. Hmm. And then Eddie just, uh, we just released a chider, which is a chai tea uh, cider for the fall because everybody does pumpkin and we didn't mm -hmm. want to do pumpkin. We want to do something else, but that, you know, uh, is warm on a, you know, cool autumn evening. Um, and it makes a great hot toddy or it makes a great cold cider. And then we have our uh, Shout, which is a semi-sweet cider and kind of an ode to um, the season. Right. Is there a like a technical 
difference between what you can call dry and what you can call sweet? Like, does it have to hit a certain sugar level or something like that? If you have ethics, then yes. But, um, you know, New York, the New York Cider Association and the American Cider Association has put out a lot of, you know, things on that, on where what they classify as dry, you know, dry, you know, you have dry and bone dry or, you know, what us in the industry we call bone dry and you have semi-sweet, you know, as, you know, but it, there's no legal definition to anything. I We could put dry on our semi-sweet can. So it's more of a recommendation. Yeah, but we follow the, the, the Cider Association guidelines. Um, we have a sweetness scale on every can. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk to that a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's a line. It's, yeah. I got oh, you. Oh, at the bottom. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> nice. That's, like, that's actually a really nice touch. That's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because people don't know necessarily what – I mean, they know what semi-sweet means, but what is this compared to the other semi-sweet? And now you have a gauge to – Yeah. And everybody's awesome. palate is different. I right. mean, sure. people will tell you they hate sweet. And then in a blind taste testing, which we did a lot of with focus groups, you know, when we came up with this idea mm-hmm. um and then they're 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 loving the sweetest stuff in, in front of you <laughs> even though they say they hate the sweet um and the same with dry you know some people say they love dry and then they're like oh it's too dry um so we follow the the guidelines of the new york state and the north american cider association and try and they're trying both associations are trying to get all the cideries to use a, a sweetness scale mm-hmm. of some sort there's been talk about having a universal one um, oh cool but you know, most cideries, not all, uh, do put something like this on their can. And our scale isn't based off of perceived sweetness. It's off of the actual sweetness, what the residual sugars are in it. Because, like, savory citrus is the same sweetness as um, shout, for example, or, you know, chider. But the sea salt cuts back the actual perceived sweetness on it. So the scale, you know... It has its benefits and it has its like little bits of flaws, you know, because if you look at it and you're like, oh, these are going to be the same sweetness. Well, that, that sweet, the sweetness in this is exactly the same, but there's a little bit of sea salt in it, cuts it back a little bit, stuff like that. Make- Chider, same thing, not with salt, but with the tannins and the tea and sure. stuff like that, it, you know, it does cut it back a little bit. So does that technically mean like between batches, the sweetness won't change because that's a calculated residual that you have? 100%. Oh, that's that is, cool. That is part of the science of it is keeping that consistent. I have, you know, specific gravity and stuff like that, that I know I bring all the sweetness back to because we back sweeten all of our products. That's cool. So kind of switching gears a little bit, because you said you brought up a restaurant. Uh, what type of food options do you have here? Um, we have uh, a, uh, a pizza oven, so uh, a wood-fired pizza oven. Um, we have handhelds. We were, uh, I think it was, which magazine was it? Spree or Buffalo Magazine. Uh, nominated our Reuben, one of the best sandwiches in Western New oh, York. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. It's super cool. It's a really unique Reuben. Um, with, Is it an open Reuben? No, it's a closed Reuben. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, he uses uh, pastrami, uh, which is really delicious. Um, we have a poutine that's out of this world with burnt pastrami ends in it. Because um, we smoke the pastrami in-house. Yes, we well, have our own smokers, and we do a lot of smoking in-house. Yeah, got it. This is right up my dad's alley. Every time he goes somewhere, he's like, they got a Reuben? I'm like, Dad, calm down. Like, it's, no. He's just like, they ought to have a Reuben. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, yeah, I'm going to bring him here. And then he's just going to be like, oh, they got a Reuben. It'll Perfect. be a good time. Yeah, it'll be a good time. I definitely set myself up for failure. You know, I grew up in, you know, south of Rochester. And never, I don't think I'd ever had a Reuben. I get here and they're like, oh, Reuben, Reuben. So I eat our Reuben. I'm like, oh, man, this, this thing's amazing. 
And I've like slowly started eating more Rubens and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. getting disappointed. I was like, ah, I yeah. just need to stop. Yep, exactly. You realize it's a pretty intense sandwich and yeah. you can ruin it pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quick. Yeah. Yep. So you got a Reuben, other couple handhelds, yep. pizzas, pizzas. Uh, we've got a couple of salads that we rotate seasonally. Um, nice. and then, uh, we have, uh, some entrees. We're kind of expanding the entree menu right now. We, right now we have a pasta dish, a, uh, salmon dish, um, We'll be bringing a pork chop back this winter. Um, so this place is like a restaurant and cider. Like there is it this, is. You're, you want this to be like an actual place to go to and spend some time and enjoy yourself. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what do you guys do outside during summer? Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of uh, cornhole boards set up, you know, set up out there. Really, I went to this place in Martha's Vineyard a couple of years ago with my wife and we went into the the place and we ordered our food and then we went outside and there's like this huge fenced in area and there's all these games and there's just kids running wild and dogs and you know the adults are over at the table just watching you know and having some beverages and some good food and i was like wow i really want to do something like this with clarksburg so we're not completely there yet but we're making making our way we've got some different yard games um we're very uh you know, set, we're set up very well to do events. Um, so we just had our first annual cider fest uh, back in what was the first? Did you want to say CiderCon? Because every time I want to say CiderCon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we had a cider fest to celebrate Western New York Cider Week uh, to kind of kick off the week, and we had partnered with a couple of other cideries that came out here: uh, Steampunk, Ebenbark, um, who else? Uh, we had Blue Barn, Seed and Stone, and Rochester. OSB. Uh, OSB, they could not make it, sadly. We are very friendly with them, but uh, Elise, they, it's the busy season yeah, for right. cider, for sure. Which yeah, is no sad doubt. to say, you know, cider's meant to be drank all year round, but yeah, definitely, stock, definitely yeah. peaks. And then we had a couple of breweries, you know, 42 North and uh, Brightsmith came out and we had a huge turnout and, and people raved about it. We had a couple of different food stations set up, stuff that we don't normally do on our menu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just a, a tremendous success. So we're looking at doing another one in May and then another one in October. So we'll kind of do it uh, twice a year. Nice. I think that that's such a cool thing that places are doing now when they branch off to the suburbs. Because downtown, you can't have that field. You can, but on a much, much smaller scale. But when you go out to like Lancaster or Alma or East Aurora, you have the ability to purchase more land and make it more of an event space and like come and hang out and relax for a while, not come in, bust, and then eat your food and then get bustled out because we need to clear up the space. Like that's really sweet that this is happening now. Yeah, that's, we want something elevated but approachable. Yeah. You know, know, I think that's kind of like been our key phrase for the tap room Mm -hmm. is, you know, elevated but approachable. And, you know, that's why. We have a robust wine list and, and stuff like that because I, I just want an option for everyone. Somebody wants to come in and have a Labatt Blue or they want to come in and they want to have a $100 bottle. Okay, we got it. Sure. Yeah. That's exciting. We've we've talked with a lot of different business owners over the last three years, and it's really interesting to hear their perspective from what they want to do with their business and what influenced them and their decisions. And you're another business owner that's mentioned, like, I've seen this here and I'm trying to duplicate it here. And it's it's a pro and a con of Buffalo is that we're five years behind yep. everything for everything. So when yep. it comes to fashion, we're super old school, but what's nice is we have so much opportunity and the people are just like yearning for something different. So when you go to Martha's Vineyard, if, if you go to Manhattan or somewhere else downstate and you're like, they do that, I want to do it here. You can, 
because nobody else did it yet. So you can incorporate so many nice little pieces to, um, you know, separate yourself from the competition when in reality it's just like another really cool place to hang out. Plus with your location, you're like, I was on, I was driving out here trying to chase the storm away and I was thinking, okay, who would visit after work? I'm like, probably every CO. CO's got to be swinging in and out because the jail's like almost down the street at this point. And then you have massive complexes towards Lancaster between Amazon, PCB, and like all these other larger uh, industrial facilities. Like what is your clientele like here? Is it varying or is it basically all encompassing? Shout out to PCB for the lunch crew. Uh, nice. they, they, they always have uh, lanyards and they always wear clothes that say PCB. So they're real easy to point out. We do get quite a bit of them in for lunch. Um, CEOs, uh, I think been pretty good at like showing discretion or they send someone, uh, we do, you know, see CEOs coming in and out of here, mm-hmm. uh, for lunch, but I, you know, I, I have to say that when we first opened, I was really floored or impressed or blown away by the turnout of younger people that we had, you know, I was just thinking Lancaster, you know, mm-hmm. middle-aged young families, you know. But we, we've, it's very diverse. We have a lot of older people that come in, um, you know, and a lot of younger people. I, I, I thought it would be, and it's very family oriented. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of families that come in as, or that are regulars and newbies, but I thought it would be more just family centric and yeah. it, it's not. Yeah, the 55 plus retired, you know, uh, couple that are empty nesters, nine o'clock, this place on a Friday, Saturday. Be surprised how many are in here. Actually, a lot. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and it's super cool seeing, uh, you know. But it is Lancaster, and no offense to Lancaster, but you know, by nine o'clock, like people are. Oh, done. it's bedtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, we we thought we'd be open till like eleven o'clock, you know, when we started, yeah. but it's just there's no there's no market for it. Are you guys dog friendly? Very. Okay, that's amazing. So, what does uh, you you said nine o'clock? What are your hours then? So. We're open Tuesday through Sunday, um, 11, 11 to 9. And then um, on Saturday and Sundays, uh, or I'm sorry, Friday and Saturday, we're open till 10. Kitchen closes at 10. Bar will stay open till 11 if there's business. But mm-hmm. a lot of times there's not the business. So we end up closing a little early. Gotcha. Do you, so you talked about events quickly outside. Do you have like music, live events here? Uh, we've we've had a, an acoustic uh, guitarist okay. come a couple times last summer. Um, we didn't do it a lot this summer because we were we still. I hope we're over that hump, but mm-hmm. we're we've struggled a lot with labor. Um, sure, and and it's been like we've hardly marketed this place at all uh, because we don't want to break the incredible staff that we do have. Sure, and you know we have a small kitchen and it's it's a little bit challenging. So I really don't want to uh, you know. We w- I want to do the live music, mm-hmm. but I don't want to have too much of a draw so that you know it hurts sure. our staff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but for the that's nice S- cider festival, we had a we had a band. Yeah, we had a great band. Um, IOT. IOT from Buffalo, and then we had a one year anniversary party here. We had a live so Gypsy Jazz uh, band, the Hot Club of Buffalo. Nice. Uh, very extremely different, but it was great for both occasions. It was very fitting for each occasion. That's awesome. Uh, and I think that's something that, you know, I think we do well and is hit all all strokes. You know, we, we make cider for, you know, whether you like dry, mm-hmm. you like sweet, you like semi-sweet, you like somewhere, you know, barrel age, you like the bourbon, you like tequila, you like cab. 
Um, I think we've done a good job of doing that with the tap room, you know, especially with the music. We've had varying types of music and with our food. I think, you know, things we do well, hitting all strokes is very high on our, at least our priorities. That's awesome. Nice job. So anything next, anything else that we didn't touch on that you guys want to bring up? Um, you know, Eddie's always working on new cider ideas and, and, and formulas. So, you know, just keep a eye on our social. You know, we'll be releasing a couple of things over the next six months, um, a couple more barrel-aged products. I don't know if I should tease them or not. Uh, I can give definitely a little tease. If you're listening to this in the month of October, uh, we're releasing uh, Sour Cider, uh, you know, it's a blueberry pomegranate cider. I think uh, Corey, my assistant, is going to be kegging it tomorrow. Um, so that's something super interesting. Um, I'll tease one more of a tap room only. So that's tap room only. Uh, another tap room only that we're going to be releasing is a Concord grape cider. Um, it's kind of a staple among cider makers. You know, most most cider makers I know have made a Concord cider, so it's kind of our first little jab at it. You nice. Know, I think there's going to be another iteration of it for sure. Um, but so for taproom releases, uh, that's a nice little tease. As long as you're listening in the month of October 2022. If you're listening to this October 2027, uh, you probably missed it. Sorry. Probably missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. for sure. Do you know your social off the top of your head? Yeah, we're on Instagram, Clarksburg Cider. And um, we are on Facebook, it's Clarksburg Cider as well. And then we're on ClarksburgCider.com is our website. Brilliant. Well, yeah. Super easy. Yeah, you didn't have to that. fist fight anybody for that handle because we did. No, we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a long story. We'll, we'll share it for round two. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, guys. This yeah. has been awesome. Thank you so much. Go look up their uh, Instagram, their social media, everything to figure out what they've got coming out next. If you are listening to this right when this comes out, come down here, hurry up because you only got a couple more days to get those in um, in house exclusives. But overall, thank you guys so much. This is, this is awesome. The place that you guys have here. Is amazing, it's beautiful, and it just is very inviting. So thanks for letting us come out. Thank you guys for reaching out to us and having us on. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Thank thanks, you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.